Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. In this podcast, we hope that you get the opportunity to connect with other homeschoolers for encouragement, tips, and fellowship. Like Sunlight's curriculum offerings, we explore homeschooling through the lens of a literature-rich, Christ-centered education. Join us on this adventure. Today, we are talking about how to use your Sunlight Instructor's Guide. A Sunlight IG turns a stack of beautiful living books into a full curriculum that's easy to teach. I'm Sunny, I'm Sunlight's community manager and a Sunlight mom of two children who have been educated with Sunlight since preschool. And joining me today are Sheila and Lisa. Sheila, do you wanna tell us a little bit more about you? Sure, I have three kids that I homeschooled. Um, They are now all graduated from my homeschool and from college. So I have a lot of history, a lot of wisdom to share. I'm a mentor in the app, and I also represent Sunlight at homeschool uh, curriculum fairs. Well, thank you for being here. Lisa, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. I'm Lisa. I have three children as well. My oldest went to public school, and my youngest two were homeschooled exclusively with Sunlight, graduated from our homeschool. One's married and getting ready to have a baby, and my youngest is finishing today her last final exam of her freshman year in college. So well, that's exciting for her. Yeah, and thank you both for being here. Let's go ahead and talk about these Sunlight Instructors Guides. It's one of my favorite things about Sunlight. It makes it so easy to use. But for somebody who's brand new to Sunlight and doesn't know what our instructor's guides are, and we refer to them as IGs, so you'll hear us use that term a lot. Can you guys tell us a little bit more about those Sunlight IGs? Well, I think the IG is what makes Sunlight a fantastic curriculum. Sunlight is a literature-based curriculum, so you will get a stack of books, but that's not all you get. You also get the IG, and the IG is your schedule. It'll give you a daily what to do, what to read, schedule to follow. It is fully scheduled for 36 weeks, so that's a traditional school year, and it it is chock full of notes for you, the teacher. There are questions that you can use with your students. There are activities, there are um, worksheets for the language arts, worksheets for the science, and mapping activities, timeline activities. So it really is the 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 backbone of Sunlight curriculum. I called it my my mom brain. Um, I I know that there are a lot of people who are thankful for the instructor's guide because it helps them make sure they're doing enough schoolwork because if you check off everything, you know you've done it. I was kind of the opposite. I'm an overachiever. I needed it to kind of rein me in because I would have done four times more than was in there. Um, But it just, it's a security that yes, you're doing a good job. You have checked off these things and this is a proven way to do it and you followed it. So you must be doing okay. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of you, what you're saying there. Um, What I liked about it was when I started teaching with Sunlight, I did not come from a teaching background. So I wasn't really sure what to teach or how to teach. And it made it very easy with like a simple checklist style in preschool. And then as your child gets older, more advanced, you know, there's discussion questions, parent notes, like you guys mentioned, the timeline points, geography mapping points to go along with those books. So you really make sure that you're covering everything and all you have to do is go along and follow those instructions. 
So let's talk a little bit about how you use it. One, maybe how sunlight intends it with the different days, but then a few other options if you find you want to modify it a little bit. Sunlight lays it out in vertical columns for each day. You would just work straight down and it gives you the title of the book and the pages to read and all the things that you need there. Um, that is how I used it. I am a box checker rule follower. So I definitely tried to read all the things that were on day 12 on day 12. So um, I followed it in the vertical pattern that sunlight lays out. And then the questions are very conveniently located on the back of the sheet. And then um, in section three for the read alouds and readers. So everything is right there for you. So that's how sunlight intends it. I know that moms use it lots and lots of different ways. I would start using it that way, but I have kids who would be like, oh, mommy, one more chapter. And of course I wanted to read one more chapter. So we would read another chapter in history or maybe two or three chapters in the read, read aloud. And then I would get off. And then, you know, daddy was coming home. I had to cook dinner. Um, we had to leave for soccer and we couldn't school until 10 o'clock at night in order to check off every box for day 12. So I would work ahead in some sections and then I would just skip some stuff that I wouldn't get to. Then on the next day, I would pick up with the things that I didn't get to, and I might do two or three days in that. So I worked more horizontally than vertically. Uh, as long as by the end of the week, every box was checked, I knew that I was on tar target. I did not get every box checked every week. So at the beginning of the following week, I knew what I had to do. I had to start with the unchecked boxes of the previous week and try and get caught up. So if you don't follow it exactly the way that Sunlight intended it, it's okay. You can tailor it to fit your own fa family. There are multiple ways of doing it. I've heard of fa families who do a loop ske schedule and that's another way. So we're not gonna get into that here, but that's some, something we have blog posts and things like that. If you wanted to look at all the different ways, you can tailor the instructor's guide to fit your fan, family, whether you have a family of one or whether you have a family of nine, you, you can figure out a way to make it work for you. Yes, I agree. Um, and I know I actually use it both vertically and horizontally depending on which kid I'm teaching. So I have two children and they're five years apart. They don't share a program. My daughter likes to kind of jump around to different books. And so she does the vertical schedule, like what Lisa referred to, where you just do, you know, several different things in a day versus my son, who is more like what Sheila was saying, where he wants to keep going in the story. He would rather do maybe one or two subjects per day. And so I work more horizontally with him. And like Sheila said, as long as we're done by the end of the week, you know, then we know we're good and ready to move on. And sometimes you have those unexpected things that come up. So we just move it to the next week. And then I use it as more of a checklist and check off things as we go. Um, I think it's important too to note that you don't have to do everything. Sunlight is a very rich program with a ton of things to do. So if you decide you don't want to do something, feel free to cross that off or come to it later. That's something that can be a little intimidating at first. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that too. They are huge. I've got one of my IGs here and you can see this is just for one of my kids, um, how much is in there. So if you are brand new to the IG and you get all of this paper, where should you start? What should you read first? You know, what do you need to know before you start teaching and how can you make this giant binder a little less overwhelming? 
So before um, the school year even began, I would do what I like to call a teacher planning retreat. And so when my instructors got arrived in the mail and we didn't have like where you could pay to have someone put it together back in the day, you had to put it together yourself. So the first thing I would do was build my binder. And I love that because now I know where everything is. If when it says appendix three, I know what appendix three is because I put it in the appendix. Um, so the first thing I do is to build the binder myself. And if you've already had it built for you, then you can just peruse it just like you would a great book or a catalog, you know, just kind of flip through, see where things are located. The other thing that um, I like to do is to read all those introductory pages. So if you are doing an all subjects package, you will get an instructor's guide for the history Bible lit. You will get one for language arts and you will get one for science. So all of those pages go into that one binder. And that's why you see that it is so big because it has your schedule, it has your notes, it has your uh, worksheets for language arts, your worksheets for science, science. So it's really much more than just your schedule. Don't let that intimidate you. Um, so I like to start with those introductory pages. I take a highlighter and I highlight things that I wanna make sure that I remember, like may, maybe what to do with those timeline figures or how to do the spelling um, process for the week because there's a routine. And if you, you, if you read it in week one, those introductory pages, then that routine will carry through throughout the year. So you might use some little post-it notes or flags or something to like, oh, I, I know I'm gonna wanna refer back to this. So you can flag important things, highlight important things. You, you can take notes in it, you can write in it. This is your tool for you to um, be able to adapt it for whatever you, you need. Mark it up that you, you know, you're, it's not a library book. You're not gonna turn it back in, this is yours. Another thing that I did, and I know that different people do things differently, but that binder is heavy, it's unwieldy, and there's a lot of information that I don't need on a day-to-day -day basis. So what I would do is I would take a half-inch binder, and this is a pretty beat-up binder. This is the one I actually use. It's very vintage, but I would take a half-inch binder, a very small binder, and I would pull out the first week's pages and put them inside the binder. So um, the big binder has weekly tabs. If you see that, you know, there's week one, week two, week three, and each week's pages go behind that tab. So on week one, I would pull out the first week pages and put them all into my half inch binder because this is a lot easier to carry around and work from than that big unwieldy binder. Then at the end of the week, usually on Sunday, as I prepare for the next school week, I would go, go through my um, uh, IG pages in my half inch binder and I would see, did we finish everything? No, then, then those pages needed to stay in there while I went and got the, the next weeks. If they were all completed, everything's checked that I was planning on doing, not that everything is checked, but everything that I had planned on doing is checked, then those pages can go back into the big binder behind the week one tab. And then I pull out the week two uh, uh, binder pieces and I would put it in my half inch binder. And that way I was not carrying this big thing around. That was more of my storage area for my instructor's guide, but I, I didn't have, I didn't carry it around with me everywhere I went. Lisa, I know you, you did things a little bit differently. Well, I didn't carry it with me. Um, I left it open on, we had a low bookshelf that was our school book and it was just, or that's where our school books were. It was just open. And I did 
keep it there. I am prone to losing things. And if I tried to take pages in and out, I would not have them all. I'm sure of it. Um, I also kept kids worksheets not in my binder that cuts down on quite a bit. I had two students, so I had two sets of language arts sheets, two sets of science sheets, and those I took out and separated for each of my girls. They had a language arts half inch binder that was just their worksheets. They had a science half inch binder that was just their worksheets. And then when we finished them at the end of the week, we just moved them from the front of the book to the back of the book. So at the end of the year, it was still in order, but it was all complete. Um, so that did reduce some of the pages in my instructor's guide. It didn't have the worksheets that was taken out, but I did just keep it open on our bookshelf where we kept our school books and check off as we went along. Yeah, I didn't have a separate school, school room. I think you had a separate school room, right? But we kept our school stuff in our guest room. So yes, we had a designated place to store books. It's not where we schooled, but it was a designated storage space for the school books where they were. Yeah, but I just kept it open. It was just part of my decor, just my sunlight binder. <laughs> That's us too, except it's usually the dining table. The, the kids always know when someone's coming over because the table gets cleaned up. Otherwise, yeah. Monday through Friday, all the school supplies are out. There's pencils there. There's math books, all the things. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's just part of, of how your house is because you're always learning. <laughs> Sheila had a whiteboard in her kitchen that always had something on it, but that's just part of being a, a family that values learning and doesn't ever want to miss an opportunity to learn. So yeah, just like your map hanging up there, you know, you just, yeah. <laughs> you're just always learning, always learning. So it's just part of our decor. It's like yes, my family misses the whiteboard. We, we <laughs> recently remodeled the kitchen and I was like, the whiteboard's gone. We're done with homeschooling, but they actually are like, I wish we had the whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the four-day versus five-day considerations. Our IGs do come in either one for most of the programs. You know, preschool, I think, is only three-day, but everything else, you have a choice between four and five-day up through middle school, and then in high school, they're all five-day. But why might you consider one program or over the other, and then how would you use those IGs a little differently? <clears throat> Well, I um, never wanted to miss a book, but I was always involved in a co-op, which met on Friday. So I used the five-day, but did it in four. So we just doubled up on something each day of the week or saved a read-aloud or two for the summer or over Christmas break, we might still read a read-aloud or whatnot. Um, just because I didn't want to miss a good book like I, that that just kills me that there's books out there I haven't read yet so we um, schooled four days and but used the five-day instructor guide and had those extra books but I think a four-day week regardless of what you do how much is is really great because it allows you to go to a co-op it allows you to take a field trip it allows you to do some kind of service if that's something that your family values um, without feeling like you are behind. Um, it allows you to be available for friends or family. Uh, my mom was sick for a long time that we were homeschooling and having flexibility made it easier to not feel so overwhelmed if we didn't get to something. Um, 
or if you are, you know, if your students are just not motivated or um, maybe have some learning differences in your family, you could do the four day, but make it a five day week. So it's just a little less work, but you're still checking everything off. So you're still feeling accomplished and things are getting, you're moving forward without that dragging feeling of, oh my gosh, I've been schooling for 14 weeks, but I'm only on week 11 um, because you, your weeks are moving by. So I think a four day week is perfectly sufficient um, and a great way to make your family, all the things that you have to do fit in better. And you can always order the five day readers and just read them at your, at your leisure if you are like me and can't stand to have a good book pass by. Uh, when we first started homeschooling with sunlight, there was no four day option. There was only a five day option. And I discovered quickly because I worked horizontally <clears throat> that it was easy to double up on an assignment because the kids wanted to keep going. So, so I could read a double history day or I could read a double Bible day or I could, I could read two weeks worth of poetry in one sitting and get those checked off. And then I didn't have to open the poetry book for a few weeks. Um, so we also ended up doing um, five days of the instructor's guide in four, because if you double up Bible, you double up history, you double up read aloud, you double up science, you've doubled everything up. And then math, we would just kind of squeeze in. We might do a double day, but we might just like on Friday, we're going to still do math. Um, that way we, we were part of a um, recreational co-op I'm not sure what to call it it was much more just for fun and we went to the park one week and then we would go on field trips and sometimes we did like um, I remember for a season we did like a homeschool gymnastics class that you know that we could do at 11 o'clock because kids were in school and they would love to make some extra money so we participated in enrichment type of activities on Friday but I like I said, all we had was the five-day schedule, so I made it work. As they got older, it got harder and harder to double up a history. Instead of reading 10 pages, now you're reading 20 pages. Instead of reading, you know, a chapter that is only four pages long, now you're reading 20 pages of a chapter, you know, two, two chapters. So that um, eventually did not become sustainable. So at that point, Sunlight did come out with a four-day schedule, and so I did adopt the four-day schedule for our fam family so that we could participate. At that point, we had switched to an academic co-op, and so we were doing more academic type things. I wasn't, it wasn't just a play day, um, and, uh, but I always did want to miss a good book, so you could just order the books. And if they're just a read aloud, I wasn't so intent on, we have to do every discussion question. I just wanted them to be exposed to the good book. So we could just read them whenever. And we always did summer reading, um, reading aloud. We would get audiobooks from the library, books on CD back in the day. And, uh, and so we always had some sort of read aloud going. And so why not a sunlight book? Because they're such great book. they've, books. They've already been vet, vetted. And, and I know that there's gonna be um, some educational things in there that we can pull out, but even if it was just Mrs. Pickle Wiggle, it's just a good book and we enjoyed it. Yeah, that's so true. And you both mentioned the additional readers and read alouds you can buy. Just because you're doing a four day IG doesn't mean you can't get the extra books. We do have that option on our website to order just those books or something that we do. I don't limit myself to just 36 weeks of 
school. You know, the IG is designed to be used over a 36 week period, but if I find we have other activities that come up, we might go, you know, 40 weeks that school year, or, you know, as long as I'm hitting my state's day requirement, I can kind of do school whenever I want. So that's something that Lisa, you mentioned earlier, you know, instilling that those learning opportunities all the time, I kind of look at our IG as that as well. So it doesn't really matter to me when I'm doing it, um, you know, if I want to do four day or five day, or I feel like I don't have time, you know, I can kind of put a school day in here wherever I want, um, you know, or if the weather's bad and it's the weekend and we have nothing to do, we might do school on that day too. So very flexible. Um, that's something I think you get more comfortable with the longer you do it. Um, but definitely you can be more flexible than what the IG looks like initially. <clears throat> so let's talk about reusing or repurchasing IGs with additional kits. Sunlight does offer a repurchase discount if you want to buy the new IG and new books for younger children, but a lot of people choose to reuse them as well. So what did you guys do? What would you recommend? Or maybe give us some ideas for either option. I did a blend of both. So when we first started homeschooling, I had a kindergartner, a three-year-old and a baby. So I was really just doing the one child. But then the three-year-old just was there and was absorbing the information. So I did not start him on a on his own le level when he became school age, he just, when he was four, I started giving him some math and some writing and, you know, like handwriting pen penmanship so he can learn his le letters and things like that. So he just slowly folded into our homeschool. He, he was always there when we were re reading aloud. So he listened to all the books and he really learned to read by listening to me teach his brother to read. I did not teach him to read. He was just following along with me teaching the older brother and he picked up the book and read and his brother was str struggling. So um, so I, I just used one instructor's guide for a while and then my youngest became of school age. And so I tried doing two different le levels. In fact, I think that year I was like, I'm gonna do three different levels. Um, we didn't have preschool back then. And so I did kindergarten, I did uh, second grade and I did fourth grade and it was awful. It did not work for me. My kids are all two and a half years apart. They are close enough in age. The oldest two are close enough in age. And honestly, the youngest one, she, I just needed to focus on the three R's with her. Like I just needed to make sure she could read and write and do some math and everything else. She could just listen in because she had been doing it since she was six weeks old. So I reverted back to one instructor's guide. But when she, when the older one became old enough to work much more independently, then I combined the younger two and I did reuse some of the, some of the instructor's guides that I had, but Sunlight is constantly improving and, and coming out with new things and new books and new ways of doing things. And so I wanted the new, I wanted the new. So I would repurchase the instructor's guide and, uh, and whatever little few books that had been added to that particular le level. And now I had a brand new program. And so I, that, that's the way that I kept it fresh for myself. And that repurchase discount made it much more doable because it was a fraction of the cost of buying a new program. And I already had 85% of the books. So it was just a matter of getting the consumables, the instructor's guide and whatever new books or maybe lost books. We sometimes would lose books. One time a book got left out in the rain and it swelled up and I, I, bought, I bought it again. 
I uh, kept my kids together until my oldest went to high school. So I always didn't even need to repurchase because just like Sheila, Rebecca just folded in when she got to be old enough to do school. I never went back and repeated level B with her. She heard what she heard and the books were on the shelf. She read a lot of them on her own um, as she was older. Her sister would say, oh yeah, I remember that book. It was really good. So she would take it and read it you know, at nighttime or in the summer or whatnot. Um, I did repurchase over high school because there were improvements and um, I wanted the extra books. Those were the only new books I got to read that year. So I was interested in that. Um, so I also did a mix of both. Um, I think I think both ways are valid. I think worrying yourself about not writing in your instructor's guide is not worth the cost of of what it's going to take to replace it if your kids are far apart, like yours, Sunny. Um, you know, I think the people who are like, well, I can't write in it because then it won't, well, just, it's okay. Just write in it because it's really not a whole lot of money. And really by the time you're down to the third kid or the fourth kid, they're basically being homeschooled for free anyway, because <laughs> the chances are you've already done all of this before. So it's really a very small cost to replace. And if I was using it again, I would definitely repurchase because it's a blank slate and I don't have to, I don't have to try to figure out what did that mean or why did I cross that out? I can just start fresh. Yeah. And a lot of people do use it for their record keep, keeping. If you live in a state where you have to show what you've done each day, you can mark it off with the date that you did the one thing. Um, and so it can be your record keeping. You don't have to recreate something somewhere else, like in a calendar or a teacher playing book or whatever. So it, it, especially if you live in a state where you need to have that kind of a paper trail, then that is a great tool. Also, I talk to people all the time who say, okay, well, if I want to reuse the language arts, should I keep a set of the worksheets? Can I buy them in the future? Do I make copies? What do I do? So to me, that's another solution. If I repurchase the instructor's guide for language arts, I'm going to get the language arts activity sheets that match that instructor's guide. So if there have been any kind of change, um, they've added books, they've you know changed things up, whatever, then, then your language arts activity sheets will match the instructor's guide that you have. It may, it may be different than what you did three years ago, but it's going to, they're going to match. So that's another consideration. If you consider that an activity sheet packet on the average is about 15 bucks and the language arts instructor's guide, I haven't checked recently, but it's in the 40 to $50 range, I'm guessing. So if you do half of that, you know, you're practically there and now you have a whole new thing. But when I did reuse a level, I found a, a little trick that I did. Um, when I use it through the first time, I place a check mark, like it's literally a check. When I would use it the second time, I would put a hash mark through the check to make it into an X. Um, and then I circled it if I, you know, I think one year I use it a third time. Um, and so you can circle it and that can be like your, you know, I, I did it for this go round. Another idea is you can um, use pencil the first time and pen the second time, or you can color code it. So you can do black ink, blue ink, red ink, whatever. So those are all some ideas if you do decide to reuse it, how you can keep track, what year it is, maybe make a note at the week one, 
2022 is red and then you know in 2024 it's blue or whatever so you have like a le legend of what of what your your little shorthand means yeah that's so true i've also heard of people using page protectors and then using like a wet erase or a sharpie marker on it to check it off so that way the page stays clean below but they're able to mark it off or date it or whatever. Um, I think it really comes down to your personality, how organized you are, those types of things. Um, I know I had all the plans to reuse mine, but because of the big age gap, almost every program changes by the time my son gets to it. And so I did want to do the new stuff. And I found that because of a few moves between when we had used the program before finding my IGs was kind of a hassle and a stress anyway. And so after my son was probably in kindergarten, first grade, somewhere in there, I was like, you know what? I'm just always going to repurchase. It makes my life a lot easier Then I can add in the new books. I can mark on either child's IG and use it as an attendance record because now we live in a state where you have to submit the days you did school. And so it just makes it very easy to date that right there on the IG. So yeah, definitely valid options for, for either. Um, I Like you guys both said, every Sunlight program is great. So if you have an older one, you absolutely can reuse it. But I believe they do get better. So if you want to add in those new books and get the newer discussion questions, because that's another thing that may not mean an older IG that you have in the newer ones or newer discussion questions that go along with those books, it's definitely something worth considering. Um, also, Sheila, you mentioned earlier the section three and four in the back. I know that's kind of something that I found confusing when I started using Sunlight and like your reader and read aloud questions are separate from the rest of the IG. So can you guys kind of tell us a little bit more about those sections, how you can use them, you know, what the scope and sequence is, all of those things that go back there in, in section three and four of the IG. Section three is your discussion questions on your read alouds and your readers. Um, I personally kept them in the back because again, that's my personality. But I do know a lot of people that will, if you're starting Charlotte's Web, they'll go back there to section three and take out the whole part of Charlotte's Web, fold it in half and stick it right inside the book, which makes me personally have heart palpitations that I'm, why would I fold a paper? But I do see the value of it. It just is not my personality. Um, that way, when you read Charlotte's Web, whether you're reading it at the park or at grandma's or on the couch, you have your discussion questions right there. And if that is your personality, you're obviously far more apt to ask the questions if they're right there than if you have to find them or whatnot. Um, and then section four just has a lot of your record keeping has those field trip pages, extra blank schedule pages, notes. Um, it's changed a little since I did because now I think a lot of the things that were in section four are now downloadable on your Sunlight account. Um, but one thing that I did make a habit of from section four, which is an awesome tool as my kids got older, it has the research paper process um, spelled out. And that was always first day of school reading for my children once they got old enough, even though they'd already read it before. I just think Sunlight does such a great job of laying that out. But I think that has moved to your download section, I think. Yeah, I think the scope and sequence is also located back there. Maybe section four, maybe section two. I don't know. Like I, like Lisa. I think that's section I used it. four. Okay, so um, yeah. 
I did not fold my pages because oh, a gas. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> mine went in here in the little half inch binder. And um, I love that it was not part of the instructor's guide pages because I've heard that like, why isn't it just part of the, you know, the, the weekly schedule? Because that is where you can get off. That is where we would often read ahead. And so, you know, if we finish one read aloud, we weren't not going to read, we were going to just go ahead and read the next one. So then you could really get off um, if it, if it was all together in that way. So you can just pull out the pages for the one book, the Charlotte's web book, and you can put it in your half inch binder. So it's with you because that book traveled around with me. Um, and that way you can look up any cultural literacy vocabulary words. Um, if, if you needed the discussion questions, cause you're not quite sure, like, I don't know what to ask. I'm, I'm not a teacher. Um, those are there for you. And um, any kind of vocabulary words. I remember when we read, I think it was Master Cornhill. There was lots and lots and lots of vocabulary that was very um, era specific about clothing and just all kinds of stuff. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So it, so those pages came in very handy for me. Um, I know it's some kind of clothes, but is it pants? Is it a, is it a, you know, a doublet? Is it a, I don't know. So I, I use those um, a lot, but so that, that's what those sections are for. And, and um, I think that's also where the cutouts for the kindergarten language arts, uh, pages are located. Sometimes the science will have some little cutout pages. So if it says in your notes, you know, cutouts located in appendix B, that's what that is. It's going to be at the end of, you know, your one to 36 week tabs. After that comes your appendix. And so just dig around. And again, that can be part of your, um, before you even start school, familiarizing yourself with your instructor's guide. Um, I know in high school, maybe 100, there are some poems that are that are in the appendix. And, and I remember people would be like, I can't find, is this a book? I can't find it. I'm like, no, it's in your appendix. So even through that. some other levels, there's like a short story or two that's in the public mm -hmm. domain. So it's printed in the back. And yes, a lot of people right. will ask where, well, I don't, I didn't get, I, I didn't get that book. It's not yeah. a book. <laughs> I didn't get that, but it's, it is in the back. Um, right. And then I think it is 100 or maybe government. There's a lot of speeches in the yeah. back. Yes. Um, so there's definitely a lot there. Um, the scope and sequence is very helpful if you live in a state that requires you tell what you did um, because it is all listed right there. You know what the date of history you started at, where you ended, um, you know what grammar you covered, you know what kind of writing styles you covered. All that is listed there in the back of your scope and sequence. Um, I, that's what I always used for my evaluation was yeah. here's a list of books that we read and here's the scope and sequence that we covered. And that was always plenty of information for my evaluator. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Same. Yeah. So like you both said, get acclimated to that IG really before you start the year is probably the best time so that you kind of have a general idea of where things are. And if it's referenced in the notes and you're not finding it right there in the notes, check the back because there are a ton of good resources. And like you all said, depending on the program you're in, they're slightly different. So definitely don't skip that section, <laughs> which I know was confusing, like I said, early on when I started. 
Now, Sheila, you talked about your little binder that you could take with you. What are some ideas? Like, I like the big binder typically at home, but if you're going to be traveling somewhere and you want to bring some books with you, you know, or you're going to be on the road for a long time and you want to do your school while you're traveling, what are some other ideas maybe for not lugging the giant binder around or making it easy to transport? Yeah, I think that's actually how I fell into using a working binder because my husband travels a lot for work. And um, so we would tag along and stay and do school in the hotel room. And the kids were really mo motivated if they finished their work, we could go down to the pool and play in the pool. I live in Flor Florida, so every hotel has a pool. Um, we also had a membership to, um, uh, the the science museum here in town and it is reciprocal with other science museums so wherever we were in town I would look up like ooh can I, can we go check out a museum in this town and so we would car school a lot we would get in the car with dad and travel around the state and so that's exactly what I would do I would pull out those instructors guide pages let me see what books I need you know I would get the bible book the history spine the history read read aloud the read aloud the reader, the science spine, like all those things. And um, and then put pack it in my sunlight tote bag and I had school for a week and we, we could hit the road. My, my parents live in Italy and we would go for three weeks and I would pack school because we would go in October when it was cheap to tra travel. And I would pack my suitcase full of books and my three weeks of instructor's guide pages. Um, and we would school on days that we weren't going and doing anything, but how fun to go and see a lot of the places that we were lear learning about in B and C. So, yeah. I just used my cell phone camera if I was going to be traveling, <laughs> took a picture of what I needed. And um, I would use the little marker tool on my photo and mark something off and then save the photo again that way. So I had a, you know, I knew what I had done and not done. Um, so that was, I didn't take any of that with me, just the books and my cell phone, because I had those pictures right there. And just, that was what we did. Or sometimes I even just wrote a sticky note, like before Thursday, we need to be up to page 72. And that was fine. Um, because again, I did not want to lose any of my pages and I would have if I had tried to take them out. Um, so yeah, that was what I did. I either took a picture of the instructor's guide or just put a little sticky on the, on the book and used it as my bookmark as we wrote along. And then we got to the page that the sticky said, and then we put that book back in the suitcase or tote bag or whatever we were doing. So I homeschooled before I had a smartphone. <laughs> so that was not an option. <laughs> so I actually do a combination of the two. I am one that when we're on vacation, I always think we're going to do lots of things and then we don't actually do all of them. So typically if we are traveling like a vacation type trip, now I just bring like readers and read alouds and we don't bring all, you know, everything, worksheets or, or math or anything like that. Um, but what I like to do when I have kids doing extracurricular activities in the evening, like if I have a daughter at dance, I'll do car school with my son in the parking lot while I'm waiting on her um, because we're going to be killing that time anyway, so we may as well get school done. Um, so what I've started doing in the last couple of years is each child has a folder in a different color, so I know whose is whose, and if we're getting ready to leave, I just grab my sunlight tote, 
all the books, you know, maybe a small dry erase board to do math problems or spelling words, because he's still at that younger age where it's helpful to do on a board. Um, and then just that week's IG to whatever I think we're going to do in the car and a few pencils, and it makes it very easy to transport, you know, temporarily, but then when I get back home, it all goes back into the big IG. Um, so that's another option to play around with folders or clipboards or, you know, smaller binders. Uh, you have a lot of options and the sunlight totes are excellent for lugging. I mean, you can really stuff those with your sunlight books and lug them around wherever you need to. So ladies, thank you so much for sharing, you know, about the Sunlight IG. Hopefully we've cleared up a lot of questions people may have if they're new to the Sunlight IG, but if not, our customer relations team and our advisors are always available and ready to answer your questions. So if you have specific questions, uh, definitely reach out to them. You can call, text, chat, you know, there's tons of options there. You can also contact any of us in our Sunlight app or on the Sunlight Connections Facebook group. So we would be happy to answer your questions in those locations as well. And Sheila, Lisa, thank you for all your advice and input today. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunlight Connections podcast. You can also visit Sunlight Curriculum on social media, in our Sunlight app, or at sunlight.com. I am Sunny from Sunlight, reminding you to tune in next time.